Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, Skylar Aston is going to be joining us to break down a lot. Nakamania could be running wild. What's with these free agents in the world of professional wrestling right now? And a whole lot more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Happy Monday, and welcome to episode 325 of Not Sam Wrestling. Like I said in the cold open, Skylar Aston is going to be joining us in a little bit. He's a world-famous actor, but also just an amazing wrestling fan. So we'll be talking to him in a little bit. One of the things that we're going to talk about is some of the stuff that went down on SmackDown this week. Now, there's a lot, I mean... There was a lot that happened this week in general. I think there's a lot of good to talk about on SmackDown. On Raw, on on Raw is interesting, man. If you follow along with us on YouTube, you can see my response, my immediate response to the Drew McIntyre-Goldberg confrontation on Raw. And really, if you subscribe on Patreon, then you know my entire take on Raw. I spent about an hour on Tuesday afternoon on Patreon, cutting a bonus podcast that was literally just a response to Legends Raw because there was a lot to say about it. A lot left me confused. A lot left me scared, you know? And again, you can get the whole breakdown on, on youtube.com slash wrestling for free if you want in terms of Drew and, and, and Goldberg. Um, but if you want the whole Raw breakdown, Patreon is the spot to go. We do a bonus podcast every week over on patreon.com slash wrestling, But i just give you a brief synopsis. Look, ultimately, if Goldberg, the problem with Goldberg and what gets everybody like, what gets everybody holding their breath when Goldberg shows up is because of what happened in matches like the first Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar. Well, not I guess the technically the second Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar. The first Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar was WrestleMania 20, and they got booed out of Madison Square Garden because both of them you sold out right before WrestleMania. So that didn't pan out. But the second Goldberg versus uh, Brock match on the way to WrestleMania 30, WrestleMania Orlando. I think WrestleMania 33. Or 34, maybe. Um, Whatever WrestleMania it was. Let's say 33. Yeah. Um, That match, his championship match with Kevin Owens, uh, a bunch of Goldberg matches have left us in this position where we now as fans know that whenever Goldberg shows up, there's an extreme probability, possibility that he's going to win the match. My take on it is very simple. If Drew McIntyre comes in and he beats Goldberg, I'm good with it. 
I don't mind, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm completely fine with the idea of Drew McIntyre destroying Goldberg at the Royal Rumble. I think it would be good if Drew McIntyre destroyed Goldberg at the Royal Rumble. I am not okay with Goldberg beating Drew McIntyre at the Royal Rumble. And you might be saying, well, Sam, that's ridiculous. Why would Goldberg beat Drew McIntyre at the Royal Rumble? Goldberg is so good at winning wrestling matches, guys. You got to keep that in mind. Somehow he wins. I thought Drew's, you know, it would be like fighting my dad response was awesome. Unfortunately, the show went off the air early and Drew was on his ass. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that with Goldberg, whether it makes sense or not, I mean, look at the match with The Fiend that we never talk about. The match I felt like was built to give The Fiend a strong victory, and instead it was to remove him from the main event of WrestleMania for no particular reason. So I, I, I think that that with Goldberg, it's 50-50. Any match that he's in, it's at least 50-50 that he's going to win. I really hope he doesn't. If he doesn't, I'm great with the match. If he does, we got some problems, and there'll be uh, maybe a building being burned to the ground by yours truly. Certainly uh, an angry podcast right after the Royal Rumble. One of those two things will happen. But we should talk about SmackDown. We've spent a lot of time on Raw already, uh, if you're a part of the Not Sam Wrestling Universe. And by the way, being a part of the Not Sam Wrestling Universe is also keeping up with what we do on the WWE Network. Uh, we're going to be doing new shows throughout the rest of the month. So make sure that you've caught up on all of them. Not Sam Wrestling on the free version of the WWE Network. Uh, the show that's out right now is, oh, it's great. It's uh, Not only does it have me reviewing this incredible, I mean, quote-unquote documentary, but it's really a footage dump of Lex Luger's 1993 summer and the call to action campaign on the Lex Express. But along with that, I talk about how 1993 should have gone, you know, because clearly it did not work out with Lex Luger. Now with the benefit of 2020 hindsight, how could we have fixed it? And I, I present an alternative 1993. We also have a conversation about the greatest second acts in the history of WWE. And Pat Buck joins me on the show and we sit down and watch the full match, Shawn Michaels versus Jeff Jarrett. The best part about doing this on the WWE Network is we don't have to pay to license a whole bunch of footage. We can just use it because it's a WWE show. So it's picture in picture the whole time. You can watch along. We watch Shawn Michaels versus Jeff Jarrett from In Your House 2. And Pat helps to explain from an expert, somebody that's been in the ring and basically done all facets of working in the world of professional wrestling. He helps explain... Uh, why that match is so great. Ain't it great? So that is the current episode of Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network. There'll be a new episode on Thursday that you're not going to want to miss. One of the biggest guests you could ever possibly have in the world of wrestling will be on the show this coming Thursday. But let's talk about SmackDown, okay? Uh, you say what you want. First of all, there's no doubt. SmackDown has been killing it. Since Roman Reigns came back, really, since SummerSlam, SmackDown has been crushing it. There's no coincidence that all the WWE pay-per-views since SummerSlam have been great. I think that a lot of that has to do with having strong champions on both shows, having Drew McIntyre doing such a good job and having Roman Reigns do such an uh, incredible job with his character. I think that's why you've got just a straight line of, of from, yeah, I mean, you go from SummerSlam, Clash, Hell in a Cell, Survivor Series, TLC, all great pay-per-views. 
without a live audience, mind you. So I think that that tells you uh, about as much as it can about how strong the two champions are right now. Uh, but SmackDown has just been on another level. SmackDown is such a good show week after week. You know, you're always going to have some misfires, but generally speaking, SmackDown is a great show. Talking Smack is a great show with Paul Heyman on there. Oh, oh, is he wonderful. But my takeaway this week watching SmackDown was a couple of things. Um, number one, I don't care if you're a WWE. First of all, if you're a WWE hater by now, you probably tapped out on this podcast. But if you are and you're hate listening, even you have got to admit WWE is incredible at putting on gauntlet matches. If any, you can point out everything WWE is not great at. My list is short. Yours might be long. But we can all come together. The world of professional wrestling fans can all come together and agree on one thing. Whether you're excited about them or not. Whether the lineup looks appealing to you or not. Whether you get it or not. WWE does amazing gauntlet matches. We can think about the one that Seth Rollins won that was like two hours long. We can think about the fact that Kofi Mania started because of Kofi's appearance in a gauntlet match heading into the Elimination Chamber. And we can talk about the gauntlet match that we saw last night. Even the one in Saudi Arabia that I guess The Undertaker technically ended up winning. It was good. And, uh, you know, at, at the end got a little wonky, but the end justified the means. We got to get to a boneyard match somehow. But Friday's gauntlet match. And I went in, you know, I'll never make this mistake again. That's why I think that we have to just declare when w, if WWE announces for the rest of the year, we're going to, and it's January, man, year is long for the rest of the year. There's going to be a gauntlet match at least once a week. We should need, we need to consider that good news because they do a great job. I went into this one looking at who was in the gauntlet match. Um, and I was kind of like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to see it. Like, cause I, I went in, going, well, it feels like the only real good guy and the only person that has the potential to win is Daniel Bryan. But Daniel Bryan already declared himself in the Royal Rumble match. My fantasy booking for Daniel Bryan is already involved in WrestleMania. So, I mean, I guess you can, you could go to Royal Rumble, have Daniel Bryan have a match with Roman Reigns and then come out of it and and build towards the WrestleMania match and maybe he loses to Roman Reigns but then he wins the Royal Rumble but either way it all felt like too much like I don't I I I don't I don't want to see that you know I want Daniel Bryan to just have a road that gets him to WrestleMania that makes sense and and builds towards this match that we've been waiting for let Roman take out everybody and the one person he hasn't taken out is Daniel Bryan and now, now, Brian's got to do it. So, the gauntlet match, uh, I, I, I'm going to look up the uh, participants because I don't want to miss anybody. Uh, but it was, uh, I mean, I guess Rey Mysterio was obviously a good guy because, like, you look at it and it was Rey Mysterio, Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura, King Corbin, and Daniel Bryan. And I'm looking at that, and I'm going, I mean, I guess Ray. the thing about Ray Mysterio is you can slide him into a main event any day of the week. Like, Ray is that guy. Ultimately, there will come a time, like, 
in November, like all last year, we were basically celebrating The Undertaker and how amazing he is. And he deserves that celebration. But there are, there are other people that you could build that kind of celebration for. If we decided to have a Shawn Michaels Appreciation Month, it would be an incredible month. And we would spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about how amazing Shawn Michaels is. You could do the same thing for Stone Cold Steve Austin. A Stone Cold Appreciation Month, we would spend a ton of time talking about all the great moments of Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think that when it comes time for Rey Mysterio to really hang up the boots, if he really is, if he's not, because he may just kind of wrestle forever. If he can go at the rate that he goes at now, at the age that he's at now, as long as he's been doing it, you know, Rey Mysterio and Jeff Hardy are these guys that, these were the guys that 20, literally 20 years ago, more than that, people were like, oh, they shouldn't be wrestling like that. They're going to have short careers. There's a reason we didn't do stuff like that. We actually wanted to you know, be in the ring for a long time. We wanted to make some money. Meanwhile, Ray and Jeff Hardy are having these careers like nobody's ever had. I'm not going to say nobody's ever had, but you know what I mean. Like the fact that they've been going this long and are still going this hard and doing what they do is like... It's it's jaw-dropping. It's insane that it's happening. And I think that, that Ray may be in a situation where maybe one day he stops, he lets his WWE contract run out, and he goes to AEW, or, or, or he goes down to Mexico like he did before, or he goes and he, and he does, he just works a schedule where he can wrestle once or twice a year, and he can do that for another five years. But I think should Ray Mysterio decide he's really hanging up the boots and be associated with WWE when he decides that? The celebrations that you're going to be able to have for this guy. I mean, at some point, we're really going to have to sit down and appreciate the career of Rey Mysterio and how much, you know, on, on the show I do on the WWE Network called Not Sam Wrestling, um, I think like the second episode, I did a monologue about the Eddie Guerrero-Rey Mysterio match, and that's not breaking the mold, right? I mean, we know how good that match is from Halloween Havoc 97. But what I liked about that monologue was when you came out of it, I made the point, and I could still argue this point, that when you say, okay, what was the greatest export of WCW? What was the most important contribution that WCW made? As WCW left, what did they give us? And I think most people would say the New World Order. For a couple of reasons. Number one, I mean, you're still seeing the merchandise fly off the shelves. Like, the NWO is one of the coolest things in wrestling ever, any era, and it's still cool to this day, you know. You turn on TNT and you're still seeing people throw up the two suites. All in, in paying homage to the NWO. You know, you're, you're talking about Hogan having a, a completely, like, everybody thought that Hogan was kind of done. In 1996, people thought that WCW was just kind of getting the last few drops of juice that Hulkamania had to offer, and then that would be it for him. And he turns heel. And now that we've had enough time passed, you could easily make the argument that his run as Hollywood Hulk Hogan was just as important as his run in the Hulkamania era. He created a whole separate run that rivaled what was at the time the most successful run in the history of professional wrestling. You've got Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, the outsiders becoming household names. You've got Six Pac being put in a position 
where he could come over to WWE and become X-Pac. And it would just, I mean, so influential was the NWO. And to this day, the NWO is referenced in factions, in takeover storylines. That's, I mean, that honestly, that's why we all go crazy for a takeover storyline, for an invasion storyline. When you really look at invasion storylines, they mostly suck. But because the NWO is so great, all we want is another NWO. So we're never going to say no to an invasion storyline. But I would make the argument that the greatest contribution that WCW left the professional wrestling world with when we look at it in 2021 was the cruiserweight division. And the fact that they put that style, that cruiserweight style of wrestling on TV every single week in front of a massive audience. And they normalized that style of wrestling to the point that it influenced an entire generation of people. And now, now when you watch the superstars who grew up watching cruiserweights on WCW, you can see that it's penetrated the way wrestling looks in general. You can see that cruiserweight style in main event matches now. I mean, when 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 Keith Lee is doing that uh, Spanish fly off the top rope, it's because Keith Lee is of the age when that that's what wrestling looked like when he was a kid because he was watching the cruiserweights. I think that con- and Rey Mysterio has everything to do with that. You know, Rey Mysterio has absolutely everything to do with the popularity of WCW's cruiserweight division because he was the most popular because he was the best. And then he goes to WWE and he becomes a huge signing when he comes over to SmackDown. And he ends up winning the Royal Rumble and he ends up winning the championship. And I mean, you know, he can do no wrong, Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio can do no wrong. And I think at some point we're going to have a huge conversation about this man's career and the contributions that he really did make to pro wrestling. But I digress. Because I wouldn't say that I would look at him and go like, well, clearly he's going to be Roman Reigns' opponent at the Royal Rumble. But it's possible, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm going like, well, it doesn't make sense for Baron Corbin to win. He's a heel. You know, it, it, it doesn't make sense for Sami Zayn to win. He's a heel who just lost the Intercontinental Championship. Doesn't make sense for Nakamura to win. He's a heel. He hasn't really been doing anything. I wonder if Cesaro is going to be with him in the ring or, you know, at ringside or whatever. And I guess Rey Mysterio could win, but I was like, are they just going to do this Daniel Bryan? This is a this is a weird lineup. And they come on TV and they say, Scrap Daddy Adam Pierce is going to be in the match. And I'm like, okay, I wonder where they're going with this. But when I actually watched the match and I realized that Nakamura and this groundswell of support was building in Nakamura's favor, and it's all because of what he was doing in the ring. I was like, whoa, there is something else going on here, okay? Nakamura came out for months and months and months. He's been a heel. He's been part of a tag team, and he's been so far removed, not only from the title picture, but from the singles division in general, that, like, he hasn't even been a thought when it comes to, well, who could be an opponent? And he comes out, and you're like, is he, a, I thought he was a heel. Is he a babyface now? And also, where's Cesaro? Is that his partner? And within five minutes, you're not even thinking about it anymore. You're just like, oh, wait, I forgot. Shinsuke Nakamura is amazing. It's almost like 
they realized that Wrestle Kingdom was on uh, on Monday, that somebody somebody watched Wrestle Kingdom and they were like, man, we got to get some of these guys. And then somebody just piped up and said, um, we already have one of the guys who had some of the best Wrestle Kingdom Tokyo Dome matches ever. His name's Shinsuke Nakamura. He, you know, he's on SmackDown. We have him already. Really? He's a Wrestle Kingdom guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have him. We have. Oh, we'll just have him do some Wrestle Kingdom stuff then. Hey, Nakamura, we want you to go out there. We want you to be good. We want you to beat everybody. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can do that. I, yeah. Oh, that's what you want? Oh, yeah, I can do that. And then, boom, here he goes. Now, I tweeted, uh, and then having him, what was amazing was seeing him pin Daniel Bryan. And that's when you realized how much work he had gotten done in this match. He walked into the match, a bad guy who was part of a tag team that had lost the championship a while ago and had nothing going on. And when he got the clean pin on Daniel Bryan, one of the most popular superstars ever, everybody loves Daniel Bryan. When he got that pin, because of what he had done in the match, inside the squared circle, the whole crowd was on his side. It was like, whoa, Shinsuke did it. That's awesome. They were, read, they were like, you know, Bryan will have his day, but the story that was told in that ring tonight I am so happy Shinsuke Nakamura won. And then to have Roman Reigns come out and the Usos beat him down. Roman beat him down Shinsuke and then kicking poor Adam Pierce in the face and putting him over uh, Nakamura. Now, clearly as you watch this, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have spoilers. I don't have the inside track. But if you think that Adam Pierce versus Roman Reigns is going to be your universal championship match at the Royal Rumble. You might have just started watching wrestling this week, which is fine if you did. Welcome to the podcast. I'm glad to have new fans always, but I will tell you, I can't imagine that's going to be your match at the Royal Rumble. I know they made a graphic. That's what you're telling, but they made a graphic, Sam. Marsh is in the Patreon Discord right now going, Sam, they made a graphic. It's going to happen. Scrap Daddy is taking the title all the way to WrestleMania, and I guess it could happen. Anything can happen in the WWE, but probably not this. You know, I think uh, 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 this is a great story. And I think it it's just, it's leading towards building support for Nakamura. And, and that worked tenfold. It might have worked too well, not for our sake, but for the sake of the plans of WWE. That's what I was thinking. I sent this tweet out and I wrote, if they're not careful, it's going to be Nakamania heading into WrestleMania. Because I'm watching this match, and I don't think WWE is sitting there going like, let's build Nakamura how we built Kofi Kingston. I don't think that the goal is to bring Nakamura to WrestleMania. I think the goal is to just put some oomph on him, and that way we can take him to the Royal Rumble in three weeks to be a challenger for Roman Reigns. And to be a challenger for Roman Reigns, you don't have to have the audience think that you're going to beat Roman Reigns. You have to have the audience want you to beat Roman Reigns. Nobody thought Jey Uso was going to beat Roman Reigns, but people wanted Jey Uso to beat Roman Reigns. Nobody thought Kevin Owens was going to beat Roman Reigns, but people wanted Kevin Owens to beat Roman Reigns. I don't think many people actually think Shinsuke Nakamura would go to Royal Rumble and take the title from Roman Reigns. But people want Shinsuke Nakamura to go to the Royal Rumble and take the title off of Roman Reigns. And that, that 
is the magic of this Roman Reigns character. In order for the character to work, you have to believe that he is not losing that title. He is the top dog. He is the head of the table. Now, the reason why I said if they're not careful and the reason why I said that they might have done too well on SmackDown is because I was getting major Kofi Kingston vibes. And if they keep their foot on the gas, if they keep their foot on the Nakamura acceleration pedal and Nakamura keeps performing like he performed on SmackDown, you're going to end up in a scenario where the people are demanding Shinsuke Nakamura versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. You're going to end up in a scenario where you have inadvertently created Nakamania. You wanted a Nakafest. A Nakafest will take you three weeks to the Royal Rumble. Nakamania is going to take you all the way to WrestleMania. You want Nakafest if you only want to go to the Rumble. If, you're, if your plan is still to do either Roman versus Brian or Roman versus Drew or Roman versus Goldberg or Roman versus Big E or any of the many, many matches you could have with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, then you want to Nakafest. But I'm telling you, there is at least, it's not a huge shot right now, but we're at at least 10 to 15% that they're going to end up stuck in a scenario where Nakamura becomes this main event good guy that people want to see win the title. And I'm telling you, you let Nakamura off the leash and it's going to happen. I thought everybody performed great in that match, but I mean, it was, it was Shinsuke Nakamura's night. It was like just reminding everybody. Remember when you used to sing his music? Remember when he showed up to NXT? Remember from Wrestle Kingdom? Nakamura's back. We'll talk more about the Nakamura situation with Skylar Aston uh, in a few minutes here on the podcast. But um, I also wanted to talk, we were talking about Wrestle Kingdom, and it was really fun. Uh, I watched it on the Fight app. You can still, if you didn't see Wrestle Kingdom, you can still get the pay-per-view, I think, on the Fight TV app. Um, I think that it stays available for the full month. You get as many replays as you want. So, like, since I ordered it to watch live, I got replays all month. But I think you can still order it and get the replays. And I would suggest watching it, especially the two main events. The Ibushi matches, uh, Naito versus Ibushi, Ibushi beating Naito, and then Ibushi going on to beat Jay White on night two of Wrestle Kingdom. Tremendous. Those were tremendous. Uh... The Will Ospreay match was tremendous. Uh, there were several tremendous matches at Wrestle Kingdom this year. I really, and I loved just like waking up early before and before the radio show started, having live amazing wrestling on TV, and then after the radio show getting to rewind and, and see what I missed. It was just, it was so much fun. But it, a new spotlight shined on it because Wrestle Kingdom happens and Jay White, uh, Switchblade cuts this amazing promo, oh, a very good promo, I'll say, on uh, on Ibushi, right after Ibushi wins the championships, both of them, uh, two championships from uh, Naito, and he basically has this briefcase which grants him a shot at the champion on night two of Wrestle Kingdom, and he says, you know, I'm gonna destroy your life, I'm gonna ruin your dream, because it was like this feel good moment for Ibushi, right? You may remember Ibushi from the Cruiserweight Classic, the first Cruiserweight Classic. He was a part of it. Um, so then Jay White, uh, he shows up, and he loses night two, I don't think to many people's surprise. And he cuts this promo at the press conference thing that they do after saying, like, he's done. This is it. Uh, and then, like, the next day, you start reading that that was kind of like a shoot, that he's 
might be done there at New Japan and that he's looking at maybe doing the next thing. And this isn't the first time this has happened. You know, it was it was right after Wrestle Kingdom, I guess at this point, I want to say six years ago. Was it that long ago? I don't know. Several years ago. Yeah, it would have been seven years ago because I believe it was 2014. The, the WWE got their hands on AJ Styles, Machine Gun Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, and Shinsuke Nakamura coming right off of Wrestle Kingdom. You had Gallows and Anderson as well as AJ Styles going straight to the main roster and uh, Nak going over to NXT. Um, so with this news that Jay White is a free agent, those conversations start coming up and, and the internet has been speculating. And look, I'm going to talk about some free agents here. And all these free agencies are internet speculations. I haven't actually spoken to any of these people. And the internet is good for one thing, 100% facts. I mean, it's insane. I read on the internet this week that Bruce Pritchard was in trouble for the interview he did on, on my show on the WWE Network. The same interview that the WWE themselves made a clip of for their YouTube channel. Somehow now... They're mad. I mean, it's it's insane what gets written. It it makes no sense. It's not true. But I'm going to assume this is for the sake of this conversation. I hope it is. That Jay White is a free agent and that he may be coming over to WWE. Um, so Marty Skrull became a free agent when Ring of Honor, and this is not a rumor, Ring of Honor did uh, uh, terminate their relationship with him. Also, apparently rumors... The Dalton Castle is a free agent. Now, Marty Skrull has done the podcast before. Dalton Castle has done the podcast a couple of times before. Love me some Dalton Castle. Um, so the question is, what happens? Now, you know, I've also got my favorites. Like, watching that Wrestle Kingdom show, not only am I sitting there going, like, when I found out Jay White was apparently a free agent, I got so excited. Because I've been watching Jay White for a while, you know, and I don't watch New Japan every single week. I don't watch every show that they do. But I try to watch the big ones. And I feel like Jay White is at this point in his career right now where he could be a huge difference maker. I mean, he's figured out what he does in the ring is on another level. His promos are incredible. His character work is incredible. His look has become so awesome with the beard and everything. I, I just, I'm, I've become, in the last year or two, a big fan of Jay White. I personally think that the best thing that you can do is start refreshing things. Now, um, of course, there's a possibility that all these guys just go to AEW and, and, and nothing happens on the WWE front. But quite frankly... I think that there's more room for some of these people in NXT and in WWE than even AEW, you know? I think that... So here's what I think. I think all the brands could use somewhat of a refresh. You have to be really careful when you're refreshing, right? Because on SmackDown, you have to figure out what the balance is. You don't want to upset the balance and you don't want the timing to be wrong so that somebody that could potentially be huge doesn't get the opportunities that they need to be huge because there's somebody else sitting in the throne. Um, you know, I, I I think, you know, you got to look at the fact that, okay, Drew is the champion. We're not going to take the title off of Drew. 
So Drew's going to be your top guy on Raw. There are people already on Raw lined up for him. Roman is going to be your top guy on SmackDown. There's probably less people lined up for Roman on SmackDown than there are people on Raw that you could line up for Drew. Um, but I do think that Raw and SmackDown could use a slight infusion of talent. And I think that this talent should actually come from NXT. You know, I, I think that because I feel like a way you can add value to NXT. One of the things that used to make NXT exciting was twofold. And I think this has to come back. Number one was call-up season. The call-ups that would happen after 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 WrestleMania, the Raw after WrestleMania and other times. And I know you're sitting there going like, well, we want to be viewed as three equal brands and a call-up implies that one is lesser. But clearly there's a differential, whether it's equal or not. Clearly NXT exists in one world. Raw and SmackDown exist in a separate world. We see that in the pay-per-views. We see that in the way they're covered. We see that in the presentation. Raw and SmackDown look very similar. Raw looks, uh, Raw, uh, NXT looks completely different. NXT is not even doing takeovers on pay-per-view weekends anymore. They didn't do a takeover Survivor Series weekend. They're clearly not doing a takeover Royal Rumble weekend. And these are the big, like, these are the big four, right? Instead, they're, they're uh, uh, opting to take their own weekends and put on their own shows because they want to be a separate third brand, which is great. But I think that, that NXT still needs to be that spot for the hardcores, for the wrestling fans, and for a product that, like, I don't want to say is, is, is edgy, but at least a little riskier. Fresher, riskier, takes more chances because they can, because they're not WWE, because they're not Disney, right? They're Disney's sort of cousin over here that can kind of do whatever they want because they don't have the mouse ears on them. Disney technically owns them, but it's like Disney owns ESPN. Like stuff that happens on ESPN you're not putting the mouse ears on and having those expectations for it the way that you would if you went to Disney World. And I think that that's the, that's the cooperation that has to exist between Raw and SmackDown and between NXT. And I think that one way to get there is having talent from NXT show up on Raw and SmackDown and actually do well. Like, that's also important, you know? Like, there has to be this thing where you've got People like Keith Lee or whoever, you, you know, Keith Lee popped. I mean, Drew McIntyre when he first came up, but Matt Riddle. You know, when, when people like that come up, it has to be like, oh, Matt Riddle, this is the guy from NXT. He's made such an impact down there and look at what he's doing now. And there has to be something in there where you're going, I'm going to watch Raw because I want to see what Keith Lee is going to do next. But I got to start watching NXT because I love this Keith Lee guy. That. I think NXT needs. And the other thing NXT needs is the excitement of famous talent from outside of the WWE coming in. The same feeling, that, that used to be a staple of NXT. Somebody showing up at a takeover, whether it was in the audience, whether it was somebody coming out the way Adam Cole debuted, somebody coming out of the crowd and, and making a surprise appearance, or whether it's an advertised first match, oh my God, this is happening. NXT changed as a brand when uh, Kenta and when Finn Balor 
showed up for the first time. I remember being there in, I was at Full Sail for those TV tapings. And Finn Balor comes out, but he hasn't been named yet. And it says Prince Devitt on the screen. And here is Prince Devitt. We all know him. New Japan's Prince Devitt. This is the biggest, you know, global talent there is that wasn't in WWE. And that fades away. And here comes Finn Balor. And you could make the argument then that Finn Balor could have been on the main roster. And he could have been, but he was in NXT. And Kevin Owens showing up. Kevin Owens was part of that class too. Kevin Owens showing up, you know. Sami Zayn was technically like the first big mainstream guy to do it. I think that's, that's the, probably the first person I would give credit to. But there was like a class that came in with that met up with Sami Zayn when it was Finn Balor and 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 Kevin Owens and that whole grouping that sort of made NXT and then that combined with the homegrown talents like Bailey and with Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair, Enzo and Cass at the time, you know, th- those acts all combined was what NXT was. And so you have guys like for instance like uh like Damian Priest he was a big act as Punishment Martinez in Ring of Honor. But realistically, Damian Priest is portrayed as an NXT-grown talent. And I think that that's fair because I don't think that Punishment Martinez reached the pinnacle of what he could get outside of WWE. Like, Punishment Martinez could have wrestled outside of WWE for the next couple years and done well and then gotten to a point where it's like, oh, man, Punishment Martinez is here. But instead, it's like, no, like, we're going to take this guy because we see the potential now, and we're going to turn him into Damian Priest. He's going to be a superstar by the time he debuts. So that's different, you know? I think that, that NXT needs to go back to sending established talent to the main roster and watching them do well, and that takes the main roster's work too, and bringing in noteworthy, known outside of WWE, independent, and international talents in. Personally, I think Damian Priest should leave uh, NXT. You know, I, I think that I don't see him. He's done his story with the North American Championship. You know, I, I, I don't want to see him beat Johnny Gargano again. It just feels like I've seen it before, and I don't see him becoming the NXT champion. I feel like he's in a perfect place where he's got some credibility. He became a great first victory back for first victory back for Karrion Cross, as I think that Karrion Cross is going to build and be that sort of NXT talent where you're like, oh, look at who they've got in the main event. Um, and I think that I think that Damian Priest should be a Royal Rumble surprise that ends up staying on the main roster. And I wouldn't mind that, by the way, as we've seen now more than ever, a separation with NXT and the main roster, I wouldn't mind so much if the NXT talent, specifically in the men's match, because there's so many more men on the roster than women, that the NXT talent that was in the men's Royal Rumble match, if that means, oh, no, they're staying here now. They're on the main roster, whether they win or not. I mean, if they win, then, yeah, but whether they win or not, if they show up to that Royal Rumble, you're going to see them on either Raw or SmackDown on the show after the Rumble. I think that'd be cool. So I would have... uh, Damian Priest show up at the at the Rumble. Um, I think uh, as good as their match was on NXT, and as much as I'm enjoying seeing them, I would put Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez 
both on the main roster. They they would probably also be uh, Royal Rumble candidates. You know, I think that I think that Raquel Gonzalez could be a great choice in being the person who eliminates, you know, 15 people. I think having Raquel Gonzalez go in there and just power out like 15 different people and be the what Bianca Belair was last year, what Kane has been in the Men's Royal Rumble match, having her do that. And, I mean, I don't mind having Rhea Ripley be the Bianca Belair spoiler. You know, I don't mind. What if we got the title on Charlotte before WrestleMania and we have Rhea Ripley win the Royal Rumble this year and then she challenges Charlotte? So you're, you've got Charlotte versus Rhea again, but now they're both raw athletes. And maybe, or, or maybe you have Raquel Gonzalez be the one that eliminates Bianca Belair. And you can go to SmackDown and do Raquel Gonzalez versus Bianca Belair on SmackDown. I think both of those rivalries, having Raquel on SmackDown and having Bianca, I mean, having uh, Rhea on Raw, I think is what I would do. I would also, and I would, on this one, I would wait until the Raw after WrestleMania. But on the Raw after WrestleMania, I would move Io Shirai up to Raw. I think that could be a hugely impactful debut if Raw after WrestleMania, Io Shirai shows up because I think she can she can really do well on Monday Night Raw. And the reason that I think that all three of those women, because I'm such a fan of Rhea Ripley, Raquel Gonzalez, and Io Shirai, and the reason that I think all of those women should be on the main roster is because I don't think anyone... On the the women's division is deep in NXT, and I don't think anyone in the women's division is going to get a true opportunity to shine as long as those three are there. And I think with Rhea Ripley specifically, if she's not the champion, and then it sucks seeing her. And I would probably feel the same way about Io Shirai. And it probably isn't all that easy to get over the fact that Raquel Gonzalez is unstoppable if she's not the champion. So you've got those three people that all should be champion, and then you've got people under them that can't get to that next level because there's too much talent at the very, very tippity top. So I take all that talent, I put it on Raw and SmackDown, have EO and Rhea on Raw, and have Raquel on SmackDown. And that way, you've got room to have Mercedes Martinez be a serious threat to people. You'd have room for Dakota Kai to be a serious threat to people. And you'd have room to have a Shotzi Blackheart NXT Women's Championship title reign, which I think we're overdue for. On the men's side, as I said, I would move Damian Priest up at the Royal Rumble. And maybe on, like, the SmackDown after the Royal Rumble, leading to WrestleMania. I would have the Undisputed Era come in. I think to SmackDown, maybe have Seth Rollins return and the Undisputed Era beat him up. I think it could be fun. Have Seth Rollins return at the Rumble. He doesn't win the Rumble, but he comes out on SmackDown and he cuts a babyface promo and everybody's happy to see Seth again. And then the Undisputed Era comes out and beats him down because we'll lead to an Adam Cole versus Seth Rollins match at WrestleMania. Now, when I say Undisputed Era, I mean Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong. Kyle O'Reilly stays back in NXT. I love the idea because Kyle O'Reilly, if you bring up the Undisputed Era to the main roster, it'll be like the Undisputed Era's first few years in NXT. Kyle O'Reilly will, it won't be this thing where you've got 
main event level Kyle O'Reilly and main event level Adam Cole. There'll be enough work done to try to get Adam Cole to a position where he's a main event player on the main roster. And ultimately, Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong will be his heavies. I think Kyle O'Reilly has found this spot where he's being taken seriously as a main event guy. And I think that the best thing that you can do, not dissimilarly from what you did with the New Day, when it was like you don't want to have you don't need undisputed error to break up. You don't need that, you don't need to get messy. You don't need to start rivalries and feuds and stuff like that. You need to send Adam Cole, and it's long overdue. Send Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong to the main roster. And then let's get to know Kyle O'Reilly as an individual. Let's get to know Kyle O'Reilly without the decoration around him. Let's get to know Kyle O'Reilly as that main event guy. Because what I want to see is Karrion Cross beat Finn Balor and become the NXT champion. And then I want to see Kyle O'Reilly step up on his own, his own man, and challenge Karrion Cross at a takeover for that NXT championship. Now, you're sitting there going like, well, you've added all this new talent to Raw and SmackDown. We've now lost Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Roderick Strong, Damian Priest, Rhea Ripley, Raquel Gonzalez, Io Shirai. That's a lot of talent to lose from NXT. And that's true. Which is why I think that you've got to bring in some new talent infusion. You know? Personally, we'll start... Well, people who are not uh, uh, free agents, but as I watch Wrestle Kingdom, I think Jeff Cobb should be on the short list of people that WWE is trying like hell to get. And I, th I think Hiromu Takahashi should be on that list. Those two, of all the people, Jay White, Jeff Cobb, Hiromu Takahashi are my three picks from watching those two nights. And, and I've talked about Takahashi for like two or three years now. I mean, coming off of Wrestle Kingdom consistently. I'm like, this is the guy that can transfer over and get American wrestling fans excited about him. So... Those would be the ones that I'd keep an eye on that are not free agents. But I think um I think you 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 could have Marty show up on the main roster. But I think realistically, I would do them separately so they don't overlap. But I mean the idea of doing a takeover where Karrion Cross wins the title from Finn Balor. And then having Jay White show up and stare him down? Dude, who's not watching NXT after that? I here I would do, I would build towards, so the next takeover, I would build towards uh, Finn Balor versus Karrion Cross. The takeover after that, as we get towards WrestleMania, I would make sure that I get whatever you got to throw at them. And I know, like, I guess there are some people questioning, well, what's the money? Main roster money versus NXT money. And I have no idea. I, as fans, I don't think that we can get into the business decisions of it. All we can do is keep it canon. You know what I mean? I think that if you have a takeover where you could do Jay White versus Karrion Cross, you could do Marty Skrull versus Tommaso Ciampa, you could do Johnny Gargano versus Kyle O'Reilly. I mean, 
And then you've got Shotzi Blackheart versus Mercedes Martinez, maybe? Dude, I think you've got it. WWE means something to people. A lot of the ratings that WWE gets are behind how strong the WWE brand is, how strong the Raw. Everybody's heard of Monday Night Raw. Everybody has heard of WWE SmackDown. NXT is still, you got to explain to people what it is. So let's build a buzz around it, man. And part of that buzz, it's going to involve great matches. It's going to involve really solid storytelling. And it's going to involve having talent that you didn't expect to be there show up there. My, my, my thing with Dalton Castle is that I don't know where he's at with, with his injuries. You know, I mean, his Ring of Honor title reign was cr cut criminally short because of injuries. Dalton Castle is a lethally hot commodity. Dalton Castle has charisma, pardon my French, out the wazoo. Uh, he's got a character which tweak a little bit and you're there. I mean, Dalton Castle, you know, has, has a background in theater and improv and all this like ridiculousness. There's a little bit more absurdity to Dalton Castle, which I think is great. But the thing that people forget about Dalton Castle is that he's an insane wrestler. He's in, First of all, he's insanely powerful. If you look at this guy, you look at his arms, you look at his legs, you look at his chest. He's insanely, insanely powerful. He's also got a tremendous amateur wrestling background. And, I mean, I saw him in Ring of Honor doing those delayed belly-to-back suplexes where he'd, like, get you and then hold you and then drop you. And he would do that to, like, moose. He would do that to big guys. And it was an incredible sight to see. But, you know, I think Dalton Castle... Dalton Castle could be put on the main roster or on NXT as an interview segment guy. I think you look at Dalton Castle as potentially bringing him in to host an interview segment, maybe to do commentary. I don't know if he's good at commentary or not. I've never heard him do commentary, but I, I bet he's not bad. It's not that difficult. Clearly, any of us can do it. <laughs> but maybe think about bringing him in on the broadcaster slash wrestler end. You know, I see Dalton Castle coming in and immediately doing some kind of, like, wrestling talk show. And I think they do need new blood in the wrestling talk show thing. I think the Miz and Morrison act is stale, not because I don't like Miz and Morrison, but because it's the same thing that they've been doing for over 10 years now. And it does, it, like, it just feels weird now. Um... You know, and I, I just like the idea of Dalton Castle coming in specifically. Like, you look at him like he's a talk show host. Eventually, he gets in the ring. Eventually, he does matches. But if you just had, like, Dalton Castle's, welcome to Dalton Castle's Boys Club. And he's just like, I mean, he's like Brother Love. Like, Brother Love came in just to do that. He wasn't really a manager until he was managing Undertaker. And that was only for a short period of time. He was really there to do those talk shows, to do the Piper's Pit type shows. And sometimes he would accompany somebody to the ring so he could go out there and take a bump and get the crowd, you know, happy. But that's, that's where I would cast Dalton Castle. If I had the pencil and I were running NXT, I'd go like, let's bring in Dalton Castle and let's give him a segment every week where he interviews people. 
And we'll either make him a healer, babyface, event. we can build to a story. We don't have to build to a story right away. We can use him to build to other people's stories. You know? The stuff that happens on those interview shows, like, Paul Heyman talking to Apollo Crews on Talking Smack did more for Apollo Crews than any promo he's cut on Raw or SmackDown. Paul Heyman talking to Big E got the whole thing started. The stuff that happens on those unscripted shows is where the money's at. So if we could bring that energy onto the main show and maybe do it through a guy who's got wrestling caliber but can handle himself behind a microphone like Dalton Castle, that's the way I would take it. I would take Dalton Castle and I would bring him up either to the main roster or NXT. NXT is always on my mind. That's why I always say bring him to NXT. But Make him an interview segment. And maybe, maybe you know, maybe you're insecure. Maybe you don't want to bring some, an unfamiliar face to the main roster to host an interview segment. If that's the way you feel, fine. Bring him to NXT. The interview segments will get over. Trust me. He's good. He is really, really good. Well, speaking of really good, NXT had an amazing showing, by the way. We talked about the Raquel-Rhea Ripley match. Um, but New Year's Evil was just top to bottom awesome. Great showing for Karrion Cross. Kyle O'Reilly versus Finn Balor was amazing. Rhea Ripley versus Raquel Gonzalez was unstoppably amazing. It was just, a, it was a really good night of wrestling. Um, but I have a great guest on the show today. His name is Skylar Aston. You might know him from uh, the Pitch Perfect movie. I'll probably say all this again when I introduce him. But the point is, uh, Skylar Aston is an actor. But beyond all that, I don't have him on to promote his acting stuff. I don't have him on because he's... Uh, got Hollywood credibility. I have him on for the same reason I have somebody like Wade Keller on. Because it is real easy to talk wrestling with him. You know, there are these, there are even people who work in wrestling that like you start throwing stuff at them and you realize like they don't even watch. (laughs) They're not even watching wrestling. Why are they talking about this? But Skyler, like you'll hear it in the conversation. I could talk to this guy for hours. Hey, what'd you think of SmackDown? Oh, I didn't get a chance to watch it. Nope, that's never it. It's, Oh, my God, I thought this. I thought that. So we might go over a few things again. We're definitely going to recap the uh, Nakamura thing again, but it'll be good to get his opinion on all that, as well as the Royal Rumble heading to WrestleMania. Lots of thoughts on uh, on The Undertaker's retirement earlier this year and how he felt about that. Um, so let's send it over to this week's interview with Skylar Aston here on Not Sam Wrestling. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. Back on Not Sam Wrestling. Maybe you know him from Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Maybe you know him from Pitch Perfect. But hopefully, you just know him as an out-of-the-closet wrestling superfan. Ladies and gentlemen, Skylar Aston is back. What's going on, man? I'm out and proud, man. <laughs> uh, you know you know, I'm, I'm a proud wrestling fan. I'm good. I'm up, in, uh, I'm up in Vancouver right now filming season two of Zoe's, and I'm actually in my quarantine part of the government quarantine part because I just got to go back for Christmas and New Year's. So they make you stay inside for another 14 days. I'm turning into mankind. What? So you have to, so you go back home for Christmas so you can see your family, but then it's like, you just have to sit in a room for two weeks and then you can go back to work. Exactly. Wow. You give two two weeks to get two weeks. Wow. Wow. And I get, that's so crazy that they're like, well, you know, we have to do, wild things to make sure that there's still going to be television because this is what people don't realize right like if they just shut down all filming of everything it's not like we just wouldn't have tv for the 10 months that we were all quarantined it would be 
the year after that that nobody shot anything. So they're like, okay, Christmas comes, and that means we have to give everybody six weeks off because we have to quarantine before and after. That's wild. Yeah, it's really wild. And also, you know, we, we've been doing this since August. So they, it, it was about time they were like, we'll give you guys because no one could come and visit. No girlfriends, spouses, nothing like that can visit us here. Yeah. And we definitely can't go back and forth, even though I am only like a few hundred miles away from my actual house. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, you're figuring it out, man. You, I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a it's a good thing. Um, And I'll tell you this. I was thinking about uh, you because. You know, something that I always like to do, and I never tell anybody that I'm doing it, and I never out anybody, but anytime somebody who has any kind of profile tells me that they're a wrestling fan, and like, you know, I'm like, great. But when I have them on the podcast, and when I talk to them about being a wrestling fan, and this isn't just like actors, this is if you're a YouTuber, if you're an actor, if you're a musician, if you've got any life outside of of just being a wrestler or a wrestling fan, or you're in wrestling and you're like, Oh no, I'm a wrestling fan. And I'm like, okay, you want to come on the podcast? And they're like, all right. I'm always in my head sniffing out going yeah, like, cool. I, I want to know what level, because I know as a wrestling fan, the kind of person that I need to really be able to have those conversations with. And yes. so I'm always sniffing it out. And like, it was real quick with you. The first time you were on the show, I was like, all right, we got a real one. We got one. We, we got a real also, one. By the way, as a real wrestling fan, I feel the need to prove to you that I'm a real wrestling fan. And I'm not just some actor who's like, yeah, I show up to the main event. of you know what I mean? I bring my kids to the No, I'm like there on the undercard ready to go. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And one thing that I liked was uh, you going into Survivor Series. You sent out a tweet. You had your like, what was that? A t-shirt from Survivor Series 87? 87. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. You had your Survivor Series 87 shirt on. And you were like, can't wait to see The Undertaker say goodbye. I hope I get worked. Which is exactly, I mean, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, yeah. I would like to pray to God right now that somebody ruins The Undertaker's goodbye. Somebody just come out there. In my mind, I'm like, Sean, just super kick oh. him. Just come out and super kick him and end his career the way he ended yours. Something because, you know, we what if, all. What if he says, what if he says, I'm sorry, I hate you. And then he... <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Right? It would be awesome. I'm sorry. And then his face just changed. I hate, I you. hate you. Boom. Yeah. And that's what I was Ooh. saying. Like I was giving myself goosebumps. I, I got to stop this. Like, because mm-hmm. I get myself all excited about my ideas. Yeah. And, and it's like for a hundred reasons they wouldn't work, but I just get excited about him. I'm like, yeah. And then Sean comes in and he goes, you got to say when my career was over, you're not ending your career on your terms. You're ending your career on my terms. And I'd be uh, like, ah, ah. I love the booking of that because weirdly enough, and you know, Sean's my favorite, um, but uh, I was purely thinking fiend for like, you know, putting over a new sure. guy, obviously. And, uh, and or... Uh, um, the Sting match that we never got. And this is obviously before uh, AEW signed Sting. Yes, yes. I was okay not having a Sting match, you know, just because yeah. it's a different, like I would love to see Undertaker versus Sting in sure. 2000 and 2001 or something like that. Right. But like, yeah. it is what it is. Like <laughs> sometimes you just have to accept that, you know, that's it. But right. yeah, I would have been fine with The Fiend. I would have been fine with AJ Styles. I think that could have been great. But just in yeah. terms of like, the story of it all 
and just the mania history. I mean, yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, Roman did beat him at WrestleMania, so he did have that moment of letting a younger guy, yes, get the rub. So the rub has yeah. happened. So it's like, okay, well, what's the and he best way? Just be beaten by uh, the whole roster. I mean, if anything, right. it's going to be the new dog, right? Know, the new top guy, the new head of the locker room, right? But or table. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. yeah, and yeah, the new head of the table. But it, yeah, and it's. It, I felt like we all needed like a few days to process the Survivor Series thing because we all had our expectations going in, and then it was like, okay, I need to get out of my own sort of bias and expectations and go. Was that really what just needed to happen? And it's like, yeah, maybe. Maybe if, know, if if it's I time, know. it's time. <laughs> I couldn't shake my disappointment. I'm sorry to say that I was disappointed, no matter how much fanfare he gets, how long the entrance or exit is. First of all, it's not in front of a crowd. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm sure he'll show up in the future, mm -hmm. especially with a crowd. How can The Undertaker not be present at some point? But, I mean, I just... Another thing is just, like, I'm such a wrestling fan. I'm always, A, hoping to get worked, and honestly expecting <laughs> yeah. to get worked, because, yeah. like... I was watching just so much stuff on the network, 30 years of Taker, best matches, you know, his amazing docuseries that they did on him. And I'm like, what a rug pull. I mean, it's set up for this. This yeah. is wrestling. Like, yeah. we don't do things cleanly here. And the fact that they did it cleanly, you can't shake, you know, you can't, you can't, you know, and it was very sentimental that they had all those guys in the ring. I just, Kane's out in full mask, you know. It was really funny. Like, Kane was like, you guys all said you were, you said we were all coming in gear. What, you, you, the Godwins <laughs> were like, no, we said we were going to do like a suggestion of our character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like you kind of get like, oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that would be what they would be today. Not yeah, we're not coming out with slot buckets, man. What are you For doing? Exactly. What, are you, right. what are you what are you doing? Um, yeah. So that's what I thought, too. I was like, I mean, if anybody deserves it the same way, like Macho Man got a real wedding. Rick Flair got a real retirement, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, of course, Undertaker deserves that too. And I was like, the fan thing was right. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how do I be okay with that? And then I remembered at, this isn't it because at some point he'll go into the hall of fame. And that I feel like will be the real ceremony where there's fans and he can come out on raw and do another promo. And we can do it in three or four years at that point. And just, well, what, well, what is wrong with me that I still want the I'm sorry, I hate you at the Hall of Fame? <laughs> at the Hall Dude, of Fame. Like, if he came out of retirement today, like two months later, I'd be like, this is perfect. This is great. I'm glad. Like, if, what's like, wrong like, with like, us? Because, we, yeah, we I watch all these docs. Yeah. If we go to Royal Rumble, right? Mm -hmm. And Goldberg beats Drew McIntyre, I'm going to be like, you got to be freaking kidding me. This is the worst thing. And then the gong hits. And I'd be like, yeah, this is great. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what did you think of, of, of as, as, as long as you've been a fan of the stripping away of the Undertaker character that, that he spent basically, he spent from when did the last ride come out? Like, I feel like pretty early on in this whole thing, like halfway through the year, Mm -hmm. you know, he started the last ride. And then from there until Survivor Series, it was basically tons of documentaries, which I loved every single one of them, tons of interviews. I loved every single one of them. But it was really like a sort of, I'm going to go ahead and, and just dump 
the last 30 years of me not saying anything. I'm going to I'm going to give it to you all now. What did you yeah. think of 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 Mark Calloway being exposed to the fans? Personally, I'm fine with it. I know a lot of people like to keep a kayfabe only lifestyle. I'm I I'm aware, I like if if ever there was a time it's now. I mean, it seems also from I mean, maybe through editing uh, manipulation, but it seems like it's cathartic for him to finally talk about like I'm not a big fan of just in general outside of wrestling, people keeping secrets to their grave. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially if it seems to weigh on them in any sort of way or take away from any sort of like new life you could have. And clearly he likes being a father and a husband. And, you know, he's got so many old injuries. I think he just wants to just like be that old, you know, American badass and, and hang it up. And, and I'm glad that it wasn't just some one like, um, you know, podcast, uh, unless if it was yours, of course, but like, <laughs> one, you know, one shoot interview the way yeah. they've done it. And they're clearly like drunk, you know what I mean? And yeah. they're just like kind of talking crap about the business. I liked that it was a shedding because I'm sure it was just years and years of so much that it, he, he couldn't just let it all out at once. And, and of course, like WWE wants to not only profit, but, you know, benefit from, uh, from that. And, and I was, oh, I was happy about it. I got plenty of content while I'm here in quarantine and I, I love old, you know, archival stuff like that. Yeah, me too. And I was super happy that he clearly, as he was talking about it, like he clearly loved the business. Like he wasn't, you're right. Like it, he wasn't bitter. He wasn't like, Oh yeah. And then they did this thing. Like he was, he was like so into telling stories from 1992 because he just yeah. loved, he truly loved and I think continues to love wrestling. Um, yeah. And then I, I felt like, and I'm sure I, I, I love that that's your response to it. Cause the fact that we both work in entertainment, like we should know better than to still be the biggest marks that we are. Cause like stone cold was talking about it and he was like, well, he made all his money as the undertaker. Now it's time to make some money as Mark. And I was like, Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like yeah. business wise. Yeah, of course. Of course. That's what you do. Yeah, I mean, you could see Stone Cold plugging Undertaker wine. By the way, I have a bottle. How is it? Uh, uh, I haven't opened it. Ooh. I won't open it. I have I have Ultimate Warrior bottle. The WWE sent me a nice care package of like an Undertaker casket, 30 years of Taker. Ooh. Yeah, they sent the whole thing, but I just have it displayed because I'm not going to drink it. I mean, maybe one day. Right. Maybe like one. Hey, if the super kick happens, I'm mm -hmm. cracking it open. Or like one day you'll have kids and they'll graduate from college. And you'll take yeah. out the Undertaker wine, and they're gonna be like, "Dad, this is this is stupid." You'll be like, "No, this is special." And you're like, "They're like, what are you doing?" <laughs> what? They're like, "Dad, this is like really cheap wine. Like, it's awful." It's really awful. Cheap. Um, yeah. But yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think Stone Cold has done such a good job of that too. Like, yeah, being I'm now this guy. People want to hear from me, and I'm sure Mark Calloway slash Taker has told so many of those stories behind closed doors in the locker room with this like level of this bond and this trust. And I'm sure he probably closed himself off to letting anyone know about it. So he almost like forgot that people would even have interest. Yeah. And I could kind of see a little bit of that in him telling the stories of like, damn, I, I almost didn't know people would react this way. And I think he, he likes it and appreciates it. Yeah. Like you should have that because I think that, you know, the, the, the only thing that comes close for him to that kind of attention 
is the feeling of being out there and you know and that's that stuff that you see so many old wrestlers it's difficult for them to shake so if this helps him i mean we at some point even though here we are knowing that he probably isn't physical shape to wrestle wanting him to wrestle <laughs> we need to kind of like care for our wrestlers and our heroes a little bit not me not me i'm like look I'll, i'm gonna ride the kayfabe wave if you can't go you take care of that on your own but as long as you're on television and as long as it's yes. in the air I'm not going to sit there and be the one to be like, nope, Undertaker shouldn't have that match. If there's an advertised match involving The Undertaker, I'm going to assume that the smart brains that have figured out that he can go have figured out that he can go. And as a fan, my only responsibility is, am I excited about the match or not? And I will be excited about the match. 100%. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 our that's our, our, our role, I think, as fans. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like WWE has been on a roll uh, of having good pay-per-views. Have you been keeping up on everything while you've been in, in Vancouver and everything? I have. I've watched every single one. Um, I just watched, you know, TLC. Obviously, it was the most recent one. I thought it was great. You like, uh, uh, did, do, you, do you like The Fiend uh, getting set on fire and burned to death? I, I do. I, I think it's <laughs> like, I, you know. Like, I love that. Well, like, right? <laughs> yes, like, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. I yeah. mean, and, and, and I, I appreciate when creative has this luxury of now not having fans in the in the in the uh, audience. And so they're taking advantage of being able to cut away from things. And especially with a character like The Fiend, which with a live audience has has a ceiling of um, magical stuff that he can do. So I think why not? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I said. Like that. And I think WWE is really especially with the Thunderdome, they really started to execute on a bunch of this stuff that as tough as it is to do wrestling in front of no fans, all you can do is try to get creative and look for the few positives that you can find. What can we do now that's cool that we couldn't do before? And the answer is like, you could definitely try new things. I think mm -hmm. people give a lot more leeway in terms of like, okay, well they're trying because like, you know, the money in the bank in the, in the tower, Matt, I right. thought that was fun, but like it's you, clever. yeah, but you would never try that if you could just have an arena full of people and do a ladder match, but the fact that they tried sure. it. And I think that you're right. Like the Inferno matches of old were never all that great because the ring was surrounded by fire and like fire's really hot and you can't breathe when fire's sucking all the oxygen out. And it's like, you can't really do anything, but when you can instead like put the fire where the fans usually are, right? <laughs> right? So, cause you can't do that when fans are there cause you, they'd be on fire. And, right. and you can kind of still do a match and do all these like little tricks, like trying to light the rocking chair on fire and stuff. It's just fun. Yeah. You don't have that crazy insurance risk of having civilians in there. <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, you could cut, God forbid something goes wrong. I'm sure the biggest stunts are, are done earlier in the day. And, you know, and then there's even just like down to so, some of the pageantry and some of the pyro in the audience. Uh, or like, I remember Randy Orton for a while. I don't know if he's still doing it. Has the dri that drizzle that I feel like, the drizzle pyro that yeah. I feel like kind of plays in with the Thunderdome. And I don't know that it, they fully could could do that with a live audience. So I applaud things like the Boneyard match and when it works. And obviously I, I like Cena Fiend. I mean, it's I love it. Yeah I, yeah, I think it's great. I, obviously, they're not going to be able to do this forever. So might as well do it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, the, the only time. It, it's interesting, too. And I feel like as a fan, it's forgivable because... It's where our sensibilities kind of go anyway. But I, I feel like we're all collectively as a community 
kind of skipping all the stuff that was done in the performance center with no audience. Like in all of our brains and the way it's highlighted, it goes started the year Royal Rumble elimination chamber. Everything was great. And then it went down and then WrestleMania and WrestleMania was weird. And then we go right from WrestleMania to the SummerSlam. Like we just skip everything in between. You're so right. I really don't even think of it. It was really tough to watch what I called North Korea WWE. It just looked so yeah. weird. It just looked so, I mean, but they were doing what they could. I yeah. Mean, um, and obviously planning for the Thunderdome. I, I mean, I still watched, um, but it, it, yeah, it was rough. Yeah. But, but here we are now. Yeah. And it's good. I mean, it's like, it's, I, I love when the Thunderdome came out because it reminded you like, oh yeah, this is what, this is what WWE does. Like this is the production value level that they're capable of. And it, it just, there's just something comfortable about watching it. Like that escapism doesn't work when it doesn't feel like it's supposed to feel. And while, you know, the Thunderdome, nothing will ever be as good as a arena full of fans. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the Thunderdome is about as close as, as one could get. I agree. Are you, uh, are you, are you a Royal Rumble guy? I think most wrestling fans are, are. I think most wrestling fans love to be like, actually, Royal Rumble's my favorite pay-per-view. It's like it's the interesting but, tidbit. Something you don't know about me, actually. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know people would think WrestleMania, even SummerSlam. <laughs> no, Royal Rumble is arguably my favorite pay-per-view. I love it every year. I, I, I make a, um, we do a, uh, what's it called? Like we do the boxes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, you pick your numbers. It's it's so fun. Yeah. Where do you think 2020 ranked when you like high, high right? High with low expectations, to be fully honest. I had yeah. no idea. I love the Brock run, of course, a star making, uh, uh, you know, performance with Drew McIntyre, uh, Edge's return. I just loved the booking of the match. Everyone came out great. Keith Lee at a good spot. Um, I even like the Roman match earlier. Uh, yeah. Didn't they do like a baseball gimmick with it or something? I think there was so. Some kind of, there was yeah. some, he was like, oh, he was like on the dugout. Right. It was like ending or something. I just, and by the way, how, how gracefully has that pay-per-view aged with it kind of being the last hurrah of big pay-per-views um, before the pandemic? And, and, and I mean, a live pop, like Edge's return is like, that was, that was a wild um I think he came out like 21 or something like that. No, I really, really liked last year's Royal Rumble. Yeah, and I felt like that's why as much as people will complain about Brock Lesnar, and a lot of the complaints are fair, like I'll, I'll, I'll hear them out. That's why the Brock Lesnar character can be so valuable because you're so fed up with Brock and you just hate that he wins so much that you know that even though it doesn't logically make sense for him to be the champion enter the Royal Rumble, and win the Royal Rumble, you know because they've disappointed you with Brock Lesnar wins so many times that there is this part of you that goes, I mean, you remember Kofi losing in 30 seconds. So once Kofi, as as painful as it is that Kofi lost in 30 seconds, what that does is it opens the door so that we can sit there in our brains and logically go, oh my God, they might just have Brock eliminate all 29 guys. Oh Mm -hmm. no. And then when when, when Drew comes in, and fixes it, you're like, oh, this feels so good. Oh, it was so good. It was, I, honestly, it was such good booking. I, and you're absolutely right. I, I remember feeling like, you know, I wouldn't put it past them just to show that he's the unconquerable beast. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like he threw out the whole roster and buried everyone they've been kind of pushing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you uh, Are you looking, like now that we're kind of 
starting to get towards the Rumble, which means we're getting towards WrestleMania. Like this year, I started, I fantasy booked WrestleMania at least four times. Like I started, yeah, okay, good. Like I once Roman was a heel. I feel Once like Roman was a heel. I was like, I think we're doing Brock Roman with Brock as a baby face. I, but like, I don't even know where Brock is. I don't know if he'll come out. I don't know if we need him right now. Yeah. Um, he never hurts. I just don't never. know where, where, where he would fit in. I think the obvious, like what people are already starting the fantasy book is like the Daniel Bryan versus Roman, which I, I think is great. Actually. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I, did you see SmackDown on, on Friday? I did. Yeah. Dude. They may, they may accidentally, and this is what I tweeted. Like, I hope that people don't think that I was saying it shouldn't happen. What my point was that I don't think WWE means for it to happen, but they may, I mean, it's exactly the scenario that Kofi was in. Like they may have accidentally put themselves into a scenario where they got to do Nakamura versus Reigns at WrestleMania. You think at WrestleMania? Well, I think that I, I, I would imagine that they're doing this at Royal Rumble, right? Like, I don't think. Scrap Daddy Adam Pierce is getting the title no. shot at Royal Rumble. Like, I don't think that's actually going to happen. So I, I would think that the plan was to go to Royal Rumble with Nakamura versus Roman Reigns. But yeah. at the same time, like Nakamura did so well in that gauntlet match. And the fans got behind him so hard. And he's trending on Twitter. And like yeah. everybody just forgot that he's been a heel for like two years. They're like, I don't care. Like, he's just, okay, he's a good guy now. He's awesome. Look how awesome he is. And he pins Daniel Bryan. And everybody's like, this is crazy. This is amazing. And I feel like WWE does these gauntlet matches so well. It's one of the best things that they do. And what inevitably happens is somebody wins a gauntlet match. And they're like the biggest baby face in the company by accident. Baby face booking. I know they did it with Kofi. I think they did it with Seth once. Seth had had a huge showing in a gauntlet match on a Raw a couple years ago. Um, I... I think the uh, yeah I think the obvious booking is that you know eventually Knock gets the shot. I mean because we are three weeks away from Rumble, so yeah. I think you know they're they're going to do that. But if they if they get a temperature from the fans that it's like ooh we could just keep taking away this match and making them want it so badly that by the time Mania comes around it's going to be the match. Yeah, because that's I what I mean. Because they could theoretically. You could slide KO back into having another match at the Royal Rumble. Like, if they get this idea last night or Friday night that, like, oh, is Nakamura this big? Like, they could, they got three weeks. They've done, they've, they've done much stranger things in much less time than yeah. sliding a KO or somebody like that into the Royal Rumble match. So that, but where does that leave? Where does that leave Daniel Bryan? Well, so here's my thing for Daniel Bryan. Like, so something I've been talking about a lot on the podcast lately is uh, is new kayfabe, right? Because somebody was on the podcast and they were like, or maybe I was on their podcast. I don't remember how it came up, but they were like, you know, how do you feel about that kayfabe is kind of done? And I was like, kayfabe is not done. It's like, there's this new kayfabe where people are really aware, I think. I think people, I think wrestlers are more aware of what they're saying in public than people give credence to. So like- Wrestlers will say things publicly and on Twitter and in interviews that like talking smack is more of like a shoot thing and SmackDown is more the scripted thing. But that's not true. Like if you say it on talking smack, you're not shooting. You know that you're on. It's all part of WWE storytelling. So I feel like these things that are either half shoots or they're meant to look like shoots like this. It's all part of kayfabe. It's just there's an acknowledgement that we as fans are smarter than we used to be. Like we know what's going on. So 
the stories have to kind of revolve around that. And one of the right. big things uh, has been Daniel Bryan saying publicly, he said on Talking Smack, he said it in interviews, that he's probably after this year done being a full-time wrestler, right? He's, I mean, I'm sure you've read that. And yeah. we all know he's doing stuff on the creative team on SmackDown and stuff like that because everybody's writing about it. Everybody's aware. And, like, Daniel Bryan's too smart to not know that people are all aware of that. I do feel like, I mean, the Nakamura thing is kind of just a, a, a funny thing based on what happened this week on SmackDown and who knows, yeah. but I feel like to really make the Daniel Bryan Roman Reigns match super, super, super special and not just, Hey, this is cool Two two of the best guys ever having a match. It's gotta be title versus career. And we go in knowing that Daniel Bryan has talked publicly about this being his last year. So we go in knowing that very realistically Daniel Bryan could lose the match because chronologically it would make sense. Like in a, on a shoot level, it would in make sense. Yeah. yeah. And, and I feel like, yeah, it, like, like that's what this new kayfabe is all about where you're, you don't really know what's real and what's not real. And I think that you can play into that when you do things like, like a career versus title match at WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean everything everything in the wrestling sphere or put out by wrestlers or you know it, it could potentially be a work. I mean right. even, so, even social media. Stuff, yes. Even just real life stuff. It's always like we should know better at this point. Mm -hmm. Um Nakamura, you know, I got to be honest, I I was at the Mania where he squared off against AJ Styles and it was it was cool that he turned heel, but it was a little disappointing. I think everyone was like really anticipating a, a somewhat a better match. Mm -hmm. I can't even put my finger on why it didn't feel as great as as it should have. But Nakamura, I mean, I loved him in NXT, um, but you know, I think yeah, for the past couple years, he's been a little disappointing. And so I'm really excited about this resurgence because I was like, oh yeah, we love him as a baby face. <laughs> yeah. We sing his song in the tunnels going, you know, walking to New Orleans to the stadium. Like that's what we're doing. It was Rusev Day and the Nakamura theme. <laughs> like it took over stadiums. Now I don't know. Uh I think Nakamura's babyface entrance really relies on the crowd. Yeah. Well, and it also relies on switching back to the old music. Like they added lyrics to the music so that we couldn't sing along. Uh -huh. So now you got to take the lyrics out so that we can sing along again. That's true. <laughs> you know, like the lyrics though. <laughs> the lyrics are cool, but we don't know yeah. them. Like I don't know no, what those no, lyrics. Are. Yeah, yeah. And we don't want to attempt them. You know, <laughs> no, no, you because yeah. you don't know what you're saying. You could be saying something Correct. terrible. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I think. Well, I think. Yeah, I think because people were so excited when Nakamura came in, and I, I think it goes even deeper than people wanting to see the NXT Nakamura. I think there still is that thing, like. Even if people never saw Wrestle Kingdom, New Japan, Nakamura, they heard the legend, right? Sure. Everybody heard, oh, this is the guy. This is the guy that headlines Tokyo Dome. This is the guy that has five-star matches. And it's like, I, I, I think that at, at that WrestleMania, people thought they were going to get a Tokyo Dome Wrestle Kingdom main event. And it wasn't that. It wasn't a bad match by any stretch of the imagination, but it wasn't one of these matches that you tell your kids about you know, 20 years later. You start like rating it on a star basis. Right, right, yeah. right, right. But, you know, I, I, I think the idea of a, and you could do it at Royal Rumble. Maybe it won't happen at WrestleMania and that's fine. But like, even if the match is at Royal Rumble and you have like 
Babyface, fan-supported. We know he can really go. Shinsuke Nakamura versus WWE creation. Superstar of all superstars, head of the table, Roman Reigns. I mean, it's a perfect clash of styles. Roman Reigns being a perfect heel and just being at the tippity-tippity top of his game. I, I, I feel like it's a perfect match that I never, I never saw it coming. Me neither. And that's why I, I that, that's why I assume and like it for Royal Rumble. Yeah. Though I think if it, it, it in a in a Kofi or even Daniel Bryan, you know, uh, WrestleMania 30, you know, way starts to take it take on a life of itself, then maybe it could make its way to Mania. But yeah, I see it. I see it more short term, and I am I, I would be very fine with that. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd be totally cool either way, especially just because this like. There's no Roman match that you're going to be disappointed about, right? Like, like he's so good right now in every story. Like, do you think six months ago you'd be like, oh, man, I want to see at least two, if not three pay-per-views headlined by Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso? Like, you wouldn't, you had no, no idea. Never. We had no idea the storytelling that we were going to get. They knew. Yeah. I, I think that they were thinking okay, he's a new heel. He's not fully in his bag yet. Let's have, let's show how bad he is by going against his own family. And then it just developed into this thing, this like younger cousin vibe, but he's still a heel. I, I've said uh, elsewhere that Roman Reigns is my favorite wrestler in WWE currently. I know that's not a hot take particularly, but I'd say a few months ago it would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is at least worth pointing out the irony of that, that like you would be, burnt at the stake yeah. for saying that on the internet earlier this year like before wrestlemania if you had said that it would have been like oh what a shill this hollywood sure. guy just wants to bubble and now it's like oh yeah no he's the man yeah you're, you're yeah, totally he's right. amazing yeah i mean he's got new teeth yeah no, <laughs> yeah and how great was it by the way that those teeth came out and everybody was making fun of him but then he's a heel so it's like, yeah, he has heel teeth. Like, of course. Heel you know? teeth. He lost the vest. Uh, I wonder if he's ever going to get rid of the music and the dog. Yeah, the, I don't know why the dog's still there. To tell you. He's not the, the big. The dog shouldn't be there. It no. should be. It should, I wouldn't mind if it was more tribal, the graphic. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, I wonder in this age of music sometimes hitting or missing, um, the post CFO music landscape mm -hmm. that we're in mm -hmm. uh, that they're just trying to get it right. Or maybe they have no desire, or maybe they just think they repurposed. It's just, it's just still the shield theme. And it doesn't bother me so much because now he's a new character, but it would be nice. I don't know what the song would be or what it would sound like, but as a music guy, I'm, I'm kind of waiting on a new theme. Yeah. And I get that. I mean, I think losing the vest was crucial and like, dude, he comes out right. there with this body, and I'm like, what the hell were you ever covering that with a vest for? What is wrong with you? I've been saying you? it for years. <laughs> for years. I want to see, for no reason than just the heat, I want to see shirtless Roman. Very yeah. Important. Yeah, I mean, if you hate him now, wait till you see this guy without his shirt on. You will despise yeah. this guy. And it worked, yeah. right? And it's great. And, you know, I, and I, I think you're definitely right about the dog. And, and I think yeah. the tribal stuff is probably a good answer. Um the music thing, you're right in principle, but at the same time, he's got one of those themes, the same way John Cena did, where as soon as the first note hits, the crowd reacts. Doo-doo, and it's boo, and like you know exactly what it is, and it's so hard 
I mean, it's like Hogan when that like, dun, 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 like and the right. minute the first note hits, you get that reaction. I know, but ha- then again, when Hogan went, uh, when he turned heel, down, down, you know, it was, it was a different, it was a heel theme. That's that was true. very hateable. I, I don't know what it is and when it is. And maybe it's just one of those, you know, sound drops before the dent, you know, not burn it down, but right. just some cool effect that feels more heelish. Or or adding adding um adding percussion to it even sure. like making it a little harder hitting repurposing it a bit you know it's minor detail that I don't need anytime soon but I'm just it it, I, it makes me curious it wouldn't be the worst thing to have like just remix it a little bit so you still have that you just a little bit of remix so you just and and as a fan you just identify that's the music he has when he's a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's just a hip hop downbeat. You right. You know what I mean? One of those one of those vibes and you're just like, yeah, it just feels a little badder. Yeah. You know, the, the best thing I think they've done with that Roman character, it was a really, really subtle thing. But I noticed it in the build to the first Kevin Owens match, which was he started telling talking about Kevin Owens and he's beating him down in the hallway. And he was making the statement that I'm putting food on your family's table. And it was like this twist in the character where it was like, yes, this is exactly what it needed. Because at first, after a couple matches with Jey Uso, you're like, these are awesome. The Paul Heyman thing is great. Everything Roman's doing is is fantastic. But you're thinking ahead a few months and you're like, how many Samoans are there? Like, like you you can't just beat up members of your family because... The Samoan legacy and the dynasty is huge, but in terms of active people that we care about, once the Usos are done, that's that's who we've got. And that little twist of, no, 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 no. I'm not the head of my family's table. I'm the head of all of your family's table. None of your families eat if I'm not here. And I was like, that's that's the messaging that makes it so he can now have a rivalry with literally anybody on the roster. Even Adam. Yes. Yes. I mean, literally, he's telling him, like, I call the shots here. I'm looking out for the product. I, this is my show. Yeah. And not in the way that Kevin Owens used to say, this is the KO show. Like, it just, it means a little bit more this time around. It, it, because it's true. Because this time it's it, true. Because this is like, it, I get real vibes. Like, before The Last Dance came out, there was, a, there was a real undercurrent of people who hated Michael Jordan. Like, they loved him on the basketball court. But he just had that legacy of a star athlete who made it about himself, who didn't care, who was a bad person because he put everything into being the greatest athlete of all time and knew that without him, like he was the one putting food on the plates of all of his teammates. And But he's right. So it's like, how can you hate this guy for that? And I feel like that's what we've got with Roman Reigns where where he's like, no, like, look at the... Look at the attendance. Look at the merch. Look at the ratings. Like, I'm the reason that you get to be on a good show. I'm the reason why your paycheck looks like it does. And and look at the booking. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm Vince's guy. Everyone yes. 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 We're sitting there and we're going, like, we know this is true. Yeah. And everybody's like, Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess it is true. But that's I mean, it's never been done before with one of quote unquote Vince's guys. Like, you know. Right. Sean, Sean, right. Sean had that vibe of like, I'm untouchable, but it was never flat out said, right. I'm, this is my show. Like you just, you, you're going to have to do what I say. And when he goes to Adam Pierce and it's like, Adam Pierce can tell most of the roster what to do, 
But Roman, like as a fan, you believe that Roman is in the position that if a an, a high ranking WWE official says no, Roman, you're wrong. If it upsets Roman, they're out of here. Not, not like like Undertaker was telling this story on Stone Cold's uh, WWE Network show of when he got set on fire by the pyro, and right. how pissed he was at the pyro guy because he had yeah. told him he told him earlier. Yes, 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 and and. He said that in the cage, he was going, talking through the guy. They were checking below him if he was okay. And he told them, make sure the pyro guy is gone before yeah. the match is over. And, like, there's no question here. Like, when, when it comes down to it, who's more valuable, that pyro guy or the Undertaker? And it's like the pyro right. guy's got to be gone before the Undertaker gets back. And to see that vibe be played out on TV through Roman Reigns and for Roman to abuse it, like to walk around – and have that attitude all the time is just, it's beautiful because you believe it. But yes. And then again, now my brother and I have a very similar thing with like, well, he 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 does this like, let's just like say for UFC purposes. Mm -hmm. Like when Connor's fighting, mm -hmm. my brother wants Connor McGregor to win because it's what Triple H would say best for business. He'd be like, sure. it just puts the UFC stock if they have a bigger star. Yep. So with 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 Roman, the fact that his point of view, even within the locker room, is like, no, guys, I'm looking at like this is for I have to here, I have to beat you up right now because <laughs> this is good for TV. For you. This is good for you. This is good for my profile, not just within the match, but also like this is what needs to be done. I mean, any bad guy or heel or even like like villain in a movie having a point of view that they truly believe in that even you, the audience members, like, I mean, I kind of get where he's coming from. That <laughs> is very compelling stuff. Like, you, you, they're not just two-dimensionally bad at that point. Right. That's why Roman's one of my guys and, and my favorite actor, you know, and, and wrestler. And now we bring it to WrestleMania and we say like, okay, you've proven the case over since SummerSlam that it's very valuable to the company to have Roman Reigns as champion. Is it so valuable that you're okay losing Daniel Bryan from wrestling? What's more valuable, Roman as champion or Daniel Bryan being an active superstar? And that is the question that we walk into WrestleMania with. I mean, yeah, if we're going with the career versus title match. Exactly. I think, okay, so if we're going to book that, on my safest booking, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that this is what I fully want yet, but as I digest it, I feel like, you know, just to have Daniel Bryan go over with the thing and doing the yes chant with the belt and then making it feel like New Orleans um, could be very exciting, especially if Jey Uso turns on Roman or something like that. You know, you see the super kick. And then have Roman losing his mind and chasing it all the way to SummerSlam where he eventually gets it back. Then you get both. You know, that's a very selfish wrestling fans booking, I feel like, because you sure. don't lose Daniel Bryan. <laughs> you don't really hurt Roman's profile, especially if it's not a fully schmozzy finish, but like it was definitely a bit of a turn on him. Um, but that's kind of like A to B booking. I don't think it's like the best. So I think you need to break hearts in wrestling. And yes. I, I, Dare I say, no, it wouldn't it wouldn't disappoint me outside of kayfabe if if Daniel Bryan went out that way. You would understand the storytelling that's going on. And I think Daniel Bryan would would be OK with it. Right. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I, I don't know him personally. I, I think so, because I mean, because it, it would be such a poetic way to go out and going out on his back. I mean, I so when I was thinking about how this year is going to play out, like I'm thinking 
I'm hoping, I'm optimistic that we'll have some kind of fans back in the building or by SummerSlam, hopefully, right? Like August, yeah. like, you know, vaccines going out there. Like, hopefully we'll figure out a way to get some fans back in by SummerSlam. I think once fans get back in, the window on Roman Reigns as a heel is going to be very, very small. I think Roman is back to being a babyface this year in 2021, wow. just because I don't think people are going to boo him. Like, he's too good. Um, I, you know, I think the character is going to be tweaked. I don't think it suffering succotash Roman is coming oh, back. Right. You know, I don't, I don't, I think he's still head of the table Roman, but he'll just have. Just like the rock. Like exactly. When the rock, like when heel. And then now we like love him. Cause he like talks crap. It's the same character, except he's punishing bad guys instead of beating up good guys. Like it's just, and so yeah. I, I, I see if, if my scenario works out, I see Roman beating Brian and ending his career and just having nuclear heat, just hatred, hatred from fans. And then between WrestleMania and SummerSlam is when you start telling the story to right around SummerSlam, we can transfer Roman over to to, to being a good guy again. But the new version of Roman Reigns, the good guy, where we can still maintain the fact that he's, that he's cool. And I think that you've got the option to still have the feel-good hero moment and having Drew go over somebody like you can close WrestleMania with Drew holding up the title. And you so believe, you, okay. So what do you believe is happening? We've, we've discussed the universal title picture, I guess at length. With sure. Roman. What do we make of the, uh, the WWE championship situation? Do you think Goldberg is, I mean, we know that they like to fast track Goldberg. Love it. During Mania season. <laughs> Love <He's>, it. <laughs> Love he it. He is Mr. Box office, you know, <laughs> as far as to someone. Right, um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think uh, if Goldberg, Goldberg is coming in and he's going to get his head kicked off by Drew McIntyre at Royal Rumble, I'm all for it. I think this is perfect. I'm not one of these guys that's like, oh, even if Goldberg loses, a younger guy could have used the opportunity. It's like, no, no, no. No, like, no, no. Yeah, yeah, it's Royal Rumble. Drew beating Goldberg is really, really good he's for good. Drew. Like, yeah, that's, that's yeah, I, I, I. I'm a fan of the match. Plus, Drew saying it would be like fighting my dad was like the greatest. I, I was just going to mention that. I was so like, good. You, 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 but it's so good. However, so true that you might have just like squashed the match. Like it's such a valid point. It's like Goldberg is not even who he was like three years ago. You know what I mean? Like he's just, yeah. I don't know that he could get Drew up for a jackhammer. I don't know. Well, you know, I think pushing Drew and Drew landing on his ass like wasn't a great look for Drew so I think that Goldberg yeah. won back his respect there but I think that Drew also you've got to acknowledge what so many fans see like so many fans are like this old guy is going to come in plus Goldberg like he just says Drew's been disrespectful to the legends which I've never seen <laughs> like I it was just cutting like a promo with Hogan being like here's yeah, I don't... <laughs> yeah. so the fact that he was disrespectful to Goldberg, I was like, okay, at least we're, at least he's being disrespectful to somebody because yeah. Goldberg just said that. So, so I was okay with it. Um, and I thought it was a good realistic comeback where we don't have to live in this fantasy world that Goldberg is still, you know, going to the Georgia Dome to beat Hogan. Like it's 23 years ago. Like it's, it's right. an old Goldberg. So sure. yeah, Goldberg. So it's Oldberg. <laughs> That's who it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. So like my, my, fantasy what i would love to happen is that drew beats uh goldberg he kicks his head off like i mean really like clearly beats goldberg to the point where right. there's no question here 
I would love to see Keith Lee win the Royal Rumble. I would love to see Keith Lee flirting with going over to SmackDown to challenge Roman Reigns. I would love to see Keith Lee turn heel on Drew. And just and I, I think Keith Lee at this moment in his career would be better as a heel because he's never going to be as big a good guy as Drew McIntyre is. So, no, so like, yeah. So like I say, turn Keith Lee heel and do Drew versus Keith Lee at WrestleMania for the title. And like really make Keith Lee like a, yeah. a badass dastardly boo this cocky. man heel cocky. Yeah. yeah. And the way I mean, he talks, like the, the way, way he talks, I was about to say, yeah. it really lends itself to being a heel. I mean, it's so like, you know, epic and round. If it's like, if it's a baby face and it's like, you know, this, but like, if you put a stink on that, mm. ooh, it's so cocky. It's so talks, talking down to people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I love Keith Lee as a heel. I mean, I, I don't know why I didn't even see that coming as much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the looming, the looming other big guys, you know, there's Strowman on, I'm not sure where he is, but looking great. Uh, yeah. And then there's a certain beast who's always, uh, he could just come out. But what does that say? Like, what is, how does Brock come? Is, does Brock come back soon? Does he could not even come back this entire year? Does he come back without Heyman? Is that a thing now? Do we see a baby face Brock and like trying to get Heyman back or? Well, I would love, I would love for Brock to come out just like when Brock first returned. First of all, like I really think, and it's ironic because this year they've had no fans, but I feel like WWE is finally in this position where they can do a WrestleMania where the big matches do not have part-timers in it and do not have celebrities in it. Like, they could still have part-timers and celebrities, but, like, you don't need Brock. You don't need The Rock. Like, Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns are big enough stars on both shows that you can really build a WrestleMania around your current roster guys, finally, which I think would yeah. be great. And I, I, I also think that that Brock returning... On the SmackDown after WrestleMania, like the right. right after WrestleMania to kick off. I think that would be the move. The same way when Brock first, first, first returned in like whenever it was. I don't know if it was 2012 or it was after that. But when he first returned and, and he came out, you know, to challenge John Cena, it was the night after WrestleMania. It was, raw, it was the Raw after WrestleMania, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of Brock returning to SmackDown. Love it. And Roman and Brock teaming. And just becoming this, uh, like, it's not fair. Like, you know, I, I love the two-man power trip, Triple H and Austin. I loved Undertaker and Kane. Like, I love when two main event superstars come together and just make Charlotte it so it's... Oscar. I think it, I think, I was pissed that Charlotte and Oscar lost because I yeah. feel like they're the female two-man power trip. Like, they should be like, been? this isn't fair. Exactly. Like, this isn't yeah. fair. Like, once they're teamed up... Um, I like it. I like it. I also like Brock coming back to challenge Roman. Well, then I think I think that this is, if you play this right, you can play it for the long term, especially since Brock comes, he goes, he comes and goes. Brock could be the guy that forces Roman into a babyface run. Like either he turns on him or, or something happens. And then we end up, we end up with Brock versus Roman down the line, but we start, we start with, with Brock returning as a, as, as Roman's heel partner in this unstoppable duo. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what would excite me. Although we could just end up 
having Goldberg beat Drew and then Roman versus Goldberg in a unification title match. And spear versus Spear. Like, yeah, you I mean, know. Who knows? Who knows? And that's, that's the, that's the always the, there's always a chance of that. I think when go, I think, and we've been, it's very similarly to how you were talking about when Brock entered the rumble and we're like, we've seen Goldberg just like rip a universal title from Kevin Owens, like, and totally cut that short. So we wouldn't be ultimately surprised I just think that like this is the time for that swerve. Yeah, yeah. Do you? Uh, I mean, so you see, you, you're with me. Do you, you don't see Brock needing to come back for WrestleMania proper? No, I love that. I yeah. love what you're saying because I think it throws it. I think it's too much. I mean, unless if the because yeah, even if he came out for Royal Rumble, I don't know if we need it. Yeah. Um, you know, any like fast lane chamber? I don't think. Well, what if? What if? we realized that there was so much going on with Nakamura that like, we're not gonna put him in the title match, but like there's this wave of support and we did Brock versus knock at Brock WrestleMania, knock. Brock versus knock at WrestleMania. And it's like strong style Nakamura versus <sighs> big heavy fisted Brock Lesnar. I wouldn't mind seeing Nakamura versus Brock Lesnar. Me neither. But the thing is like, that wouldn't be for a belt, unfortunately. And right. like, do you think Brock would do that? I mean, if they paid him the same, I think he would. Right? You know? Yeah, I don't think he would. Really <laughs> yeah, they... we live in such a kayfabe world. I was like, it's not for a fake belt that he doesn't care about, uh, that he's already had a million times. Um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if they could build up Nakamura that much and we feel like there's that ground swelling, then that could vindicate our Kofi Kingston, you know, loss. Even yeah, although, I mean, he would kill Nakamura, let's be honest. He wouldn't, Nakamura I don't wouldn't think, win. He would I don't think, him. yeah, if he's not going to take, you know, Dean Ambrose seriously. Yeah. Match. Yeah. Yeah. For a belt, for an uh, intercontinental belt. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think Brock would probably rather not wrestle for a title than for the intercontinental championship. I agree. Yeah. At yeah. this point. Yeah. Coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, just because we're, I don't know the next time I'm going to speak to you. Yes. We're how many months away? I mean, we're, we're now, you know, three, three, four months away, which could be an eternity mm -hmm. uh, in wrestling. Where, uh, what else do you see on that mania card? That's a great question. What do you hmm. see for Big E? What do you see for um, the Hurt Business? Or well, well, what's so great about Big E and what's so great about the Royal Rumble this year is like there is another road that we haven't even talked about. Like there is this version where Big E wins the Royal Rumble and go like goes to WrestleMania to challenge Roman. Like I don't, I don't necessarily see that. I think that uh, Big E, Big E is just has this steady growth. He's just growing and growing and he's putting in the work and he's doing the steps. And it's like, it's going to take him, I feel like to this place where he's just so undeniable in his main event spot that it's not going to be, uh, Oh, it's sure. the summer of big E. And then it goes away. Like when Kofi got it, when Rey Mysterio got it, when Eddie Guerrero to an extent got it, it was like, it was a, it was a set period of time. And then it was like onto the next thing. I feel like, I feel like big E is going to continue that steady growth that he's on. And maybe by SummerSlam, maybe after that, he'll be at this place where it's like, oh, no, Biggie's the biggest star on television. You know, exactly. like, like that's that's where I think. So, you know, I think Biggie will end up hopefully still having the Intercontinental Championship. I, I think Sami Zayn is a really good foil for him. But I think by the time we get to WrestleMania, uh, it should probably be somebody else. Um, I, I, look, honestly, if Lars Sullivan had worked out a Big E Lars Sullivan match could have been cool, but 
you yes. know, I'm pretty sure that it seems it, that's been done like three or four times now. So I guess he's yeah. over. So I, you know, I, I guess we don't even talk about that. But I don't think I don't. Yeah, I don't even know how much we root for it to happen at this point. Exactly. Exactly. Because best case scenario, is it really that good anyway? You know. <laughs> I don't know. I also don't like like. You know, anytime WWE or wrestling in general does like vague beasts and vague, <laughs> he's crazy. He's crazy. This guy, there's not much nuance there. And I think they see that they're, they're building up video packages. They're manipulating us to care, but we're like, I mean, we got brawn. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That is, that is interesting. Like, like Lars comes out and it's like, look at this freak. And you're like, ah, Braun's bigger than him. <laughs> he's a Leviathan. And you're like, um, <laughs> There's an express train behind him who is in the best shape of his life. Um, I'm wondering when Braun, you know, I know Vince is such a body guy. And anytime someone's really putting in that work, I'm always very curious to see where, you know, where, where, where Braun Strowman will will slot in. I feel like there's, there's a couple people out there that like have not gotten that main event shot fully yet. I know Braun had it for a second. You know, yeah, I feel like. Braun beat Goldberg and Braun had the worst possible timing, right? Because he wasn't built up because it wasn't like Drew McIntyre. Yeah, it was really inconvenient that he took the WWE championship and had to have that run in front of no fans. And it's amazing how successful he's been with it. Like just off the charts. Drew is unbelievable. Um, Braun didn't have that build at all going into WrestleMania. It was just like, oh, Roman's not here. Here's Braun. And then coming off, you know, it just for whatever reason it wasn't a strong title run so it's like you know i i i I feel like he may become a victim of that like i as a fan i'm not sitting there going oh when's braun gonna get his due because it's like well he was the champion and i didn't care so much but i mean he's still tremendously valuable i feel like and and who knows i mean we're talking about big e like you could tell a story where Braun comes over to SmackDown and and wants to ruin Big E's day. And, and you know, if you want to show Big E as this, like, you want to show how strong he is, have him pick up Braun and beat him at WrestleMania. Yep. I yeah. also think um, in typical um, intercontinental fashion, I think it's a triple threat. I think it's a ladder match. I think it's even a fatal four-way. I think you you, you have fun with those mid-card belts. Um, yeah. But, again, we are we are – I think we're a little bit too far out to be ma- making the whole card, but I do like that we have our tops kind of set. I like Keith Lee versus McIntyre. I heal Keith Lee versus McIntyre, and I love the career versus title with Daniel Bryan versus um, Roman. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where, yeah, that's where I land on those. And and yeah, because the other stuff, you're right, it, like it changes week to week. Although, like, I definitely, I mean, I don't think I have to be Nostradamus to feel like Charlotte versus Asuka is inevitably yes. what this is all about, right? And I mean... Do you do you want to see another Sasha versus Bailey match at WrestleMania, or are you looking for Bianca Belair to finally get her moment at WrestleMania? I would like Bianca Belair to get her moment. I don't know if, if she just goes straight up against who Sasha or no. She'd actually be going against. Yeah, no, it'd be if yeah Sasha. Well, yeah, I mean theoretically, yeah, I mean, I because there's no more superstar shakeups, right? I mean, there's no. I mean, there's the Rumble. Yeah, that's, there's the female Rumble. There's a yeah, she could win the the women's Royal Rumble and then pick 
I don't think she. I don't think they're going to have the women's Royal Rumble winner pick the NXT champion again just because it happened okay. last year. Like, and you know, wouldn't make sense. I think they're really trying to separate that brand, right? Now right. During this time, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. really That's feels like it. they're 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 trying to keep it super separate, which isn't bad. Um, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah, so Bianca Belair could either challenge whoever the Raw Women's Champion is. I mean, they could do a thing where. She's got a little bit of history with Charlotte from NXT. Charlotte could beat Asuka before WrestleMania, and you could do Charlotte versus Bianca. Uh, Sasha Banks. I think you're seeing a triple threat in that one. You think that one's the that one's a triple threat? I think maybe that's it because it's like you got Charlotte, Asuka, Bianca. Now you're like, oh, like that's interesting, especially if they build it up the right way. Or, um, and I also just think like Sasha and Bailey have had such a great year. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, they like were the, you know, I guess they were like the highest rated stuff for the early part of this year. Yeah, so it was really good. I feel like them in any pairing. I mean, I know mania is mania, but I don't know that I need to see it. I mean, you have to do something a little different with it. I mean, if that's a case where you do Sasha, Carmella, Bailey, or, you know, something. I, I know I know. I just keep solving every problem by a triple, triple threat. threat. I mean, but there is, a, you know, you're like Teddy Long. You're like, let's make it a tag team match. <laughs> Facing the Undertaker. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see. I think Bianca Belair is box office. I also just think that she's future box office. So I think there's really no rush with her. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think, you know, new blood is always good. It's it, yeah. the women's division is crazy right now, man. Like, like the fact that there's so much of a groundswell with like people, like you've got, you got Sasha and Bailey doing the best work of their careers. Yeah. You've got Asuka, who's finally at this place where she's like established as a main event person. You've got Charlotte who you could make the argument is the greatest of all time. And then you still over here, like kind of going like, ah, they may return at some point. Ronda Rousey, she's not out of the picture, in my opinion. Far from it. Far and from it. I mean, I would argue that Becky Lynch is potentially the biggest WWE superstar on the roster. Like, I mean, you know, I, I think I think Becky I think you go if Becky Lynch comes back and she maintains the wave that she had when she left. I think you're talking Hogan, Brett and Sean, Austin Rock, Cena, Becky. That's wild. Right? I mean, I just think how do you... Because you have no fans. Um, there's the obvious, like, Rumble. I mean, she just had a kid, so I don't think she's coming back... For the Rumble. For Rumble, right? But she could get back for Mania. I mean, I don't right. know. I don't know what she wants personally. That's true too. Know. It's like, but again, we have to be like, we have to be wrestling fans here, not human beings. So we can true. like Becky is a mom. Like unless that's part of canon, unless right. she unless she's a mom in canon. Like I care about Daniel Bryan's kids because they're on Total Bellas. So right. so that's still so technically. Like, how did the man get pregnant? That makes no sense. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, yeah, I don't know because. And what would she be doing with a scumbag like Seth Rollins anyway? That can't be true. Exactly. <laughs> that can't that's not going to work out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We also forget Seth. Seth will definitely be something in in the in the picture. Okay. Okay. I got a question for you because I've got I've got in my mind how it happens. Edge is also coming back. Uh -huh. Like he's coming back and. You know, I think he'll probably be back with a vengeance because I don't think that 2020 went how he wanted it to go. And this isn't like kayfabe, like, oh, he should have won. This is like literally it was yeah. supposed to be his big year and then the pandemic and then the injury. Although 
I also think that the injury might have come at the most convenient time because yes. he, he probably doesn't want to be doing empty arena matches for a year as his return year. Um, so how do you see Edge's return and who do you see as his next opponent or two? Well, we've done Randy. So Roman? Roman would be great. Like there's so many potential for Edge. You want to hear my 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 Edge hypothesis? Of course, but oh. I want to see if I... Go ahead. No, I have nothing. Go ahead. Nothing. Not a thing. Not yet. I mean, <laughs> okay. I'm just like, who is it? There's Roman. There's Daniel Bryan. I mean, there's Seth, right? You could do uh, Edge. At some yeah. point, we have to see Edge versus Seth. I think that, that match would be unbelievable, especially yeah. with a story. Both those guys can tell stories. There's so many people that Edge could, could have yeah. matches with. But what I'd really like to see... Fiend? Yes. And Is that he, what you're saying? Fiend, yeah. And ah, he, I'm glad I got it before you said it. Yes. And here's... Want to know how we get there, though? Edge comes back. Brood? Bring the brood back? Of course. Gang growl. <laughs> Edge... Uh, oh, wait. My headphones unplugged. I got so excited. Um, <laughs> Edge comes back with, with vengeance in his heart, in his eyes, in his blood. He wants revenge on Randy Orton. Randy Orton took him out of the game. He's not happy uh, how his match with Randy Orton went. He wants one more match with Randy Orton. He's going to lose his third match with Randy Orton, whether that happens at WrestleMania or Elimination Chamber, whatever pay-per-view it, it happens. It Is happens. that how he's tracked injury-wise to come back? I don't know. I haven't read that. I, I, I think he's, yeah, I, I feel, I mean, look, I don't know. I'm not his doctor. What was the injury, but, if you don't, you don't uh, I think he, I think it was his bicep. Okay. okay. I think so. But I, I, I think it is like, I, th I think Edge's return is imminent. I think so. Okay. I don't know sure. anything, but you know, um, so I, I, I would have him come back to, to, for a blood feud with Randy Orton and the fiend comes out to help Randy because Randy showed such a psychotic, venomous, murderous, brutal side by lighting him on fire the way that he did, that the fiend now considers Randy Orton one of one of him. You're one of me. Me and you are the same, Randy. Like now There's we're continuity with the Wyatt family too. Yes. Like now, now like there is no bad blood between the fiend and Randy Orton. The fiend loves that Randy Orton set him on fire because he's the fiend. He's psychotic. He's like, I this started as the Batman and Joker. And now you're a villain just like me. Like you're lighting people on fire. This is, this is amazing. We're friends now, but Edge. Oh no, Edge. You can't have this. You can't have this. And then we build that story between the Fiend and Edge. Just because Edge is such a creative guy and he loves mm -hmm. wrestling so much and he loves storytelling so much. And so does Bray Wyatt that I feel like... If that's your premise, that Bray Wyatt came back and surprised everybody by not being mad at Randy at all, but actually considering him an, an ally and is now going after Edge, I think you could tell a pretty amazing story between The Fiend and Edge. I think so. They're also such good act. I think they're the best actors in the WWE. Yeah. Some yeah. of. I think Bray Wyatt's like a legitimately good actor. Like I have always said, like he should be in, like he should do movies. Yeah. Like I would like Bray Wyatt, like not even as the fiend, obviously, but just like the monologues, even when they didn't fully track as Bray as Bray in the rocking chair. I'm like, I don't even know what this means, but like I you haven't blinked. 
Right. I'm like I, I, it is, you're working this, like it's, there's cameras coming in so ever so close to him and he's just like owning it. He's got an insane screen presence. Yeah. Like, but. like even when you didn't know what he was saying, he, the character, you never lost the character. Never. Like you never saw Wyndham Rotunda. Never. You, you only have, second. yes. Even when he's doing interviews, quote unquote, and this is going back to the new kayfabe, he's quote unquote out of character. He's still Bray Wyatt when he's out of yes. character, right? Yeah. It's amazing. It's 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 unbelievable to see. Do you think that the people who don't fully get the Fiend character, as like a as a as a obviously as a movie fan and somebody who's in the industry, do you think they need to be a little bit more familiarized with horror movies? Because I feel like the Fiend is like horror movie villain. 101 like the fiend is jason Voorhees. the fiend is this guy so like when the fiend got set on fire i wasn't sitting there going like whoa how is he supposed to come back from that i was like i've seen i've seen jason come back from way worse than being set on fire like and by the way especially when fiend debuted i know they got a little bit of heat uh uh, when Seth faced him and was just like beating him with mallet you know what i mean (laughs) you couldn't pin this guy i mean thankfully like did he give him like 20 curb stomps or something? Like yeah, he that? like dumped the entire Hell in a Cell on his head and then he just right. stood up. Yeah. So we've already set that up and we've dialed that back since then because we've had to make him a superstar in some capacity. Right. Um, but no, no, not at all. I think he comes back. I think he goes away. I think he's even more mythical than, you know, than The Undertaker in some ways, you know, because Undertaker's died, you know, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Kane. On fi- Kane's been on fire. I mean, you know, no, I think not only is it horror movie canon, I think it's wrestling canon. Too. Yes, there are there are there are roles like this in wrestling, um, and the fiend is 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 one of those bigger horror versions of it. Yeah, it just becomes like, am I willing to go on this ride? And if the answer is like, if you as a character can convince me to go on the ride, we can do whatever you want as long as it doesn't take me off the ride. Sky's the limit. Whatever you want, let's do it. Let's do it. I agree. Well, Skylar Aston, it's uh, always a lot of fun talking wrestling with you. And I could do this for hours and hours and hours, oh, obviously. Yeah. But uh, 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 I'll let you get back to your life. Um, anybody, look, I'm all about not only supporting wrestling, but supporting wrestling fans and 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 the things that they do. So Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is on. And this is very convenient. I don't know if you organize this for wrestling fans, but it's Tuesdays at 8 p.m., on NBC. So you could literally watch Raw and SmackDown and NXT and AEW Dynamite and whatever you want to watch. You can watch them all. You can watch them live. You'll be good. But Tuesday, when you don't have wrestling to watch, turn on NBC, watch Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist and go like, oh, that guy likes wrestling too. Yeah, and it's a nice change of pace. You know, there was they were, they were wanting to make it on Mondays and I called up Donnie NBC and I was like, look, <laughs> You're going to kill me, but we can't do this. And they're like, ah, we got Wednesday. And I'm like, that's even worse because there's two shows on. Yeah. And so they slotted us in on Tuesday, thankfully. I'm glad they understood and put wrestling first, as I always do. It's great. Um, but yeah, it's a really good time. It's a genre show, which is fun. It's musical, but there's a little bit of cerebral stuff within the musical. And I love being on it. And uh, it's it's a joy to shoot and a, and a challenge to shoot right now, but we're making it happen. That's awesome. Well, Skylar Aston, I appreciate the time, man. Pleasure. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.
rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.